my friends to the Be Right to Hate podcast. I am your host, Will Kavolksworld.com, and I am so incredibly grateful that you have taken the time to join me for another great episode. Here at the D-Rate to Hate podcast, we're all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. You know, we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. It starts with each of us as an individual. So what have you done today to make your life a better life? What have you done today to make the world a better place? Making your life a better life starts with individual accountability. How we act, how we react, no matter what happens to us, how we react to it makes the difference. Friends, one of the great things about a bad attitude is we as individuals have the power to change it. One great way to do that, share the D-Rate the Hate podcast. Share it with your network of friends. Get them to share it. Subscribe. Leave us ratings and feedback. Always greatly appreciated. And with that, let's go. My guest this week is Paul Rakowicz. Now, Paul is a fellow podcaster, having created the Created Order podcast. He is a pastor and author of several incredible books, helping people understand the teachings of Jesus, the wondrous love of God, and just how to live a virtuous life by following the commandments of God and the teachings of Jesus and his apostles. As a Christian life coach, Paul uses his spiritual fitness training methods to help Christians understand who they really are, citizens of God's present kingdom. Paul has been featured as a public speaker and guest on several radio, television, and podcast appearances, and I am honored that Paul chose to join me this week to discuss how he's using his podcast his online training courses and books, to better the lives of others, to better the world in which we live. With that, let's get right into that conversation. Let's go. Paul Rakowicz, thank you very much for joining the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I know I've listened to a number of your uh, podcast sessions, episodes, and uh, they're really good. I like your approach and I like the things you're talking about. Thank you very much. I, uh, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I like the feedback. I like it when, uh, when other podcasters especially give me feedback. Yeah, it's, it's important to know that uh, people out there are listening and, and getting something from it. It really makes doing the podcast more meaningful for me because, uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So Reaching people is the goal. It is. Well, bettering lives, bettering, uh, bettering people's attitudes, bettering lives, bettering, you know, the, the meaning of, of life for, for people and, and helping them become better people is, is really the goal. And you do the same thing with your The Created Order podcast. I, I know you uh, you help help people understand the kingdom of God and, and, and the meaning of life and, and different things. So why don't you talk a little bit, Paul, about about The Created Order podcast and uh, and what you do over there? Sure. Appreciate that. You know, there are many ways to achieve personal development. And of all those different ways, many of them are very helpful in this life, but they have no impact on the next life. So a lot of times people say, well, they're a Buddhist and it has changed their life. Well, I would probably agree with them. It probably has improved their life in this world. The thing that concerns me is that it hasn't really improved their life in the next world. Because as a Christian, I believe that only through faith in Christ can we get to heaven. At the same time, I look at the modern church and I see them 
preaching and preaching and preaching about salvation by faith alone, which is a valid message, but it's only one small part of what Jesus taught. If you look at the Gospel of Mark and you see Jesus opening up his preaching, the first thing he does is he talks about, I'm here to publish the kingdom of God. Nowhere does he ever say, I'm here to teach you about salvation by faith and faith alone, and that's all I'm here for. It's always about the kingdom of God. So when you just note that difference and understand that Jesus taught something really special, he taught us about the kingdom of God, of which salvation by faith and faith alone is a part, but it's only that, a part. So it begs the question, well, once we're saved by faith and faith alone, then what? He says that we're supposed to repent. We're supposed to bethink ourselves. We're supposed to amend our lives. Well, what does that mean? Does he give us the training to do those things? Or after we believe in Jesus by faith and faith alone, do we have to look to Buddha or to those who teach, you know, other types of new age philosophies that are supposed to improve your life here? Do we have to turn to those people? Or does Jesus actually teach us something? So what my podcast, The Created Order, is about is helping us draw closer to the creator himself by understanding the order of his creation and all of those things that he gave us so that we can live at peace within his created order. So personal development, through the moral law that Christ taught us. That's really nice. at the core of what we do. Nice. Yeah, personal development is so important. And so I think so many people are out there that t- today, Paul, that, that just seem to be running rudderless. They, they've got no real direction. They don't know, you know, they don't know what they want. They don't know what their meaning or their purpose is. And then they just try to latch on to any number of different things that seem like a great cause today, but in in the grand scheme of things in the big picture, is it really what's going to, to move the needle, whether it be in, in, I mean, whether it be in this world or the next, we're listened to around the world. And and I know you and I are Christians, Paul, and, and, and there's other people that aren't that, that listen to this. I, I know that as well. But I, I think I think people, you know, whether they profess to be a Christian or not, I think they have to look for some solid meaning. And again, you and I as Christians, you know, we would hope that that people find that in, in the Christian faith. And, you know, one thing that that does disturb me, and I'd kind of like to get your take on this, Paul, is I, I recently read a record low number of Americans in this country now profess to believe in God. And what what would you attribute that to? What do you what do you think is the cause of that, Paul? Well, I have a tag that I use often, follow Jesus, not the church. Okay. And it sounds like a statement against the church in some ways it is. But I think of it more as a positive statement about the individual's duty to God. And the individual's duty to God can't come from the church. It has to come from their relationship with God, which takes us to that personal development concept, which we'll get into here today in a little bit. But when I hear, and I think I might have read the same thing that you did, because it just was a recent 
occurrence, uh, a survey that had been completed. When I look at that, I think the reason for that is because the church has just become so lukewarm. They literally don't teach 90% of what Jesus taught us. Their focus is so much on salvation by faith alone and so little on what comes next. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus told a parable of the man who had a demon and he was healed of that demon and the demon left. And it says he cleaned and swept his house and things like that. So now he's got a clean slate, but he didn't do anything with that clean slate. He just celebrated salvation by faith alone, but didn't put in anything after that. Didn't put in the work. No. And then what happens? Seven spirits come back and that man was worse off than he was to start. Mm -hmm. So being saved is great. We need to be saved because we can't do anything without the power of Christ. But once we're saved, if we don't amend our lives, if we don't turn to the teaching of Jesus so that we build a character in us that's befitting that new creation we've become, we'll be lost again. And there are many examples of that in scripture telling us to and warning us about that. James is the most simple. Faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. We just need to get a hold of that. One of the things I like about your podcast, there are many, one is that you cover a lot of topics as a Christian, but you don't make that your focus. You let people understand that there's a way to think about these things as a Christian or otherwise that might be better than what they had been thinking. Mm-hmm. I like that. Good. Yeah. Um, in my podcast, I'm really focused on the Jesus part, so I don't necessarily walk that path. But I like people that do. I think there's a place for that, and I love what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're right. I, I you know, when I when I set out to do this podcast, uh, I knew that I, I, I mean, I knew that I would never hide my Christian faith or, or the fact that I'm a Christian, but I wasn't going to make it. I, I didn't want to make it the focus of. You know, I, I obviously, I, th- I think you said it very well. I, I, you know, I make it, you know, make it part of what I do, but it's not the focus of what I do and, and show that there's ways to, to live that life, walk that path without that being the, you know, one of the yeah, things you know, that I want to, I want to oh, just comment on that. Sure. Yeah. People go to church and be, they become so churchy that nobody can be around them. Oh yeah, that's, for sure. That's, that's not a good thing. Well, no, you know, I we, think a lot of people, I think you're right. I think a lot of people have have that and, and it just becomes very put-offish to, to other right. people and they right. just don't want to have any part of it. Right. You know, we got to go out and work in the real world. We got to interact with people in the real world and we don't have to be churchy to demonstrate the life of Christ. Right. No, that's absolutely right. Yep. Oh, that's so, absolutely right. You know, I think uh, I think something you said there a little bit ago, Paul, was when you talk about duty to God and what our what our duty is to God and 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 faith by faith alone or, or salvation by faith alone doesn't doesn't get us there and and I think it's important that people understand because because so often people are, are praying for this or they're praying for that or what's God going to do for me you know and and I'm going to believe because I believe God will actually do something for me and, and they always discount the fact that. I'm supposed to be doing something for God, not necessarily God doing things for me. Uh, that's how I get my my salvation, you know, is 
and that's what other people need to realize too is is got a guy that i listen to a a mentor of mine that i listen to on the radio and, and other podcasts is dennis prager and he talks about people mistaking god for some type of celestial butler and and i love that mentality is people people think well i believe so in my belief, I'm going to ask God for these certain things, and now God is going to provide them because I'm a believer. And and that's just, I, I don't, um, not that I don't pray for certain things. I pray every day for, you know, for God to watch over my my wife and my children and, and you know, give me strength to make good decisions and things like that. But um, I, I don't expect that just because I'm a believer. I, I actually, I pray for those things because... I think it helps me be that protector. And, you know, that's just my opinion. That's my thought on the deal. It's a great thought. Prayer is a subject matter in and of itself. And no matter how much one studies prayer, all I can say is I'm not an expert in prayer. I'm just the person who prays. There you go. There's I like it. There's no way to be an expert. It's just such an amazing subject. But, you know, when we talk about Jesus and faith and and salvation by faith alone. I go back to what we read in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus was asked this question, what is the first commandment of all? And he says, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Now that's our salvation by faith and faith alone. If we don't start there, we're going nowhere. But he immediately follows that up with, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Everywhere Jesus talks about love, he also talks about obeying the commandments. Mm -hmm. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Everywhere he talks about love. And in in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us the order. The order isn't to preach. And then think about doing. The order is to do and then teach. Mm -hmm. And it's the same order that Moses gave us. Do these things. Live the life. And then you can teach. It's like practice, contemplate, know. We don't study and say we know if we've never practiced it because the practice gives us the wisdom connected to the knowing. And so this whole concept of extreme grace and all these sorts of things and the church saying, Hey, you don't have to do anything. And then teaching that the law is done away with. I I just am stunned that anybody would go to such a church where they're taught that the law has been done away with. When you do away with the law, look in America today, where the cities are that they've done away with the law. That's what it looks like. Yeah, no, it's brutal. And and, that's what your character looks like when you do away with Christ's law. Exactly. Exactly. No, I couldn't agree more. It's so true. I mean, I, you know, as a younger man, I used to believe, okay, I'm a good person. I'm not hurting anybody. So I'm good enough. You know, I'm good enough. I'm not doing anything wrong. Uh, so it's good enough. You know, it'll be good enough. Um, but, uh, but no, as I get older and, and I'm still a long, long way from being a uh, uh, well, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian, but uh, a long, long way from being a, I, I don't even know, I don't know, even know what word I want to use as a, uh, as a qualifier for it. But, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I fall short in my faith every single day. And, and I, well, I think most people do. 
I, I think me and in, in a lot of cases more than uh, more than more than most. And it's something I struggle with every day. It's something I work towards every day and don't claim tomorrow is going to be much better, but I keep on working towards it. So it's uh, it's one of those things, you know. Well, something to keep in mind, you know, in the Old Testament, we had the Ten Commandments. Yep. They still exist for those who don't believe, because if we don't have them, we can't have society. Absolutely right. In the New Testament, we have a new Ten Commandments, and it's the eight Beatitudes. And the very first one is poverty of spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And just that one, if you just spend time on that one, it answers some of the questions you're you were just sort of um, ruminating about. Am I a perfect Christian? If you have poverty of spirit, you are perfect in the way Christ calls you to be perfect because you acknowledge that by your own works, you'll never be good enough to get to heaven. And so you're doing your best. And when you fall short, you do the best you can to acknowledge your own responsibility and that you can't get there without God. And so just that first beatitude, falling into that, relieves from us so much anxiety about trying to be too good. And I think that's a good place for people to start. Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount right there with our Ten Commandments, the eight beatitudes. And that's the first one. Mm -hmm. So that one is really powerful. And when you think about the first and great commandment, what did he say? The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. That's another way to say that first beatitude, poverty of spirit, because unless we can have humility to say that we're not here of our own accord, somebody put us here, Mm -hmm. and unless we can acknowledge that we can't get to the next life, unless somebody allows us in, we just can't ever get where we're going. Right, right. No, that's very, very true. So, Paul, another uh, another thing that... Uh, I think people do have have trouble with, you know, kind of going back to that celestial butler analogy and and things like that. Is is people will say, well, if there's a God, why is there all this suffering? How how do we how how can you justify uh, your God being this all powerful and loving God when there's so many people out there? that are suffering and, and bad things happening to good people and, and, and people dying too young and, and things, things such as that. So when somebody comes to you and I, I know you're, you know, you're, you're not only a, a pastor and, and a man of God, but you're also a life coach and you help people reckon their, their thoughts on things like this. So when somebody comes to you, Paul, and says, how can there be this all-powerful and loving God when there's so much suffering in the world? What do, you, uh, what do you answer them? So I would say this. The reason we struggle with that question is because of, again, some really bad teaching in the church that keeps trying to tell us that we live in a fallen world. When Jesus came and said, I'm bringing forth the kingdom of God, and he was successful in doing that, he turned the world upside down. So if he did bring forth the kingdom of God, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Why is there evil and bad things in the world? And that gets down to a question of God not wanting to bring into heaven just a bunch of robots, a bunch of puppets. In other words, he gave us free will. Mm -hmm. Well, free will, by definition, demands that some will choose not to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. 
It demands that. What did we have in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve had free will. So by that very statement, there had to be a fall. But think about the life that they had in the Garden of Eden. People say they want to go back to that or original place. I don't want to go back there. Because in that original Garden of Eden, one sin caused the fall of humanity. Mm-hmm. And we could no longer access the kingdom of heaven. But what did Jesus do? He turned that around. And he made it so that after the cross, no longer could one sin destroy humanity. One sin couldn't even destroy a single human life. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that poverty of spirit. So why is there evil in the world? Because God created all of us with free will. We're created in his image, and he has free will, and we have free will. And by the nature of free will, some will choose evil. And so there's this network of people, billions of us, and all of us have free will. And because of that, all these crazy things are happening all the time. And it is a question of how can there not be some bad things happening in the world? That's not God's doing. That's the nature of this earth. Now, when you think of it in terms of the next life, what's the value of living in this world? There is no value in it if there isn't that next life. The Apostle Paul talks about that, right? He says, we would be as bad off as anyone. But if we know there is that next life, and Jesus proved that to us, we have evidence of that. We have physical evidence that there was a man who died and rose again. That's physical evidence in the real world that we have that there is a God. Mm -hmm. So people say you can't prove there is a God. Oh, you can But now that we've proven a God and we know that there is this life after this one, it provides purpose to this one. We're in this world with all these people, with all this free will, and there's all kinds of crazy things going on. And we're called to be people of character who understand the nature of this world and that all it's doing is it's preparing us to achieve the next world. It is our kindergarten. And when we graduate from here, we get into that life where these things don't happen anymore. We're we're sealed in heaven. So to me, this is a beautiful place. We don't live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is absolutely perfect because we have an indestructible path to heaven. So when I fail or if someone does something to me that's bad, I have an attitude about that. Now, I'm not perfect at this. No one is. But the goal is to have an attitude about that that says, hey, there's a different purpose here for me. And it's doing all the things it's meant to do. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about God chastises us. And people imagine that he's up there in heaven whipping us on the behind when we do something wrong. Yeah, I got his ruler out there. and <laughs> Yeah, but that's not at all what it's meaning. What it means is, no, no, God put you in this world to experience all the things of this world Mm -hmm. so that you have what it takes and can demonstrate through your faith. Faith alone saves you. No works will ever save you. But when you have faith and your works start to reflect that faith, that builds in you that poverty of spirit, and that's your ticket into heaven. Yeah. And so people that are going to heaven aren't walking around all prideful. They're walking around with great humility because they recognize even in the midst of all this chaos, 
I have this anchor that I can hold on to that keeps me straight and keeps me solid. Now, a personal story. It's easy to talk about faith when things go good in your life. That's right. And probably about five years ago, I lost my wife, who I'd been married to for 27 years. I'm sorry. And Well, I appreciate that. And it is a terrible, terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And you're, it can challenge your faith. But I would say because of my faith, which kept me from ever losing hope, I was able to survive the grief that goes with that. And grief becomes a healing balm that allows us to overcome the things that are you know, really difficult for us in this life. And so even in this total chaos that we have here on planet Earth, God even gives us those things that allow us to get through the most difficult times. So when somebody says we live in a fallen world, I just don't go along with that. I don't believe that at all. I believe that we live in an absolutely marvelous world where you and I, no matter what happens, as long as we're doing our best in faith, we're okay. We're not going to cause humanity to fall. We can't even cause our own self to fall if we're having that right mindset. Right. And that's why I want to talk to you too, because that's really what you're focused on is that right mindset. And I remember listening to your one on gun on the gun issue, and you had made the point when people make decisions based on emotion, bad things happen. That's exactly right. That is such a really powerful point. And I want to get into a little more of this first and great commandment here in a moment to just touch on that. It's really, I love that point when you made it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the big things in my journey, Paul, has been learning to understand my emotions, uh, call it emotional intelligence, uh, if you will. I know that's a big thing now nowadays, EQ, emotional intelligence. I grew up with a very, very bad temper. I, I grew up uh, in, in many ways, a, a miserable person, a lot of fighting, a lot of pain, a lot of broken bones. Most of the time, it was as a result of my misguided emotions, my inability to control my emotions. And, and more than that, my inability to control my actions after those emotions took hold of who I was. And, and in my journey in life, that's been one of the instrumental or most instrumental things about becoming the person that I am today is learning to understand those emotions, control those emotions, and then not allow my emotions to control my actions. We talked about prayer a little bit ago, Paul. One of the things that I pray for every single day is for, the, is for God to give me the ability to control my emotions and make good decisions based on logic and common sense and not emotions. Again, going back to the concept of prayer and and things like that, I think a lot of times for me, whether it's God answering my prayers or me just manifesting the things that I am asking for, the, the strength to make those decisions in the right way and not allow my emotions to dictate my actions. And, I, and that's something that I want to convey to everybody else. And that's one of the reasons that I do this podcast. And I think that is one of the most important things that anybody can do is to learn to control that. Because again, you know, I was on another podcast yesterday and talking about different, uh, actually talking about, 
you know, gun policy and gun control again, based on the, uh, you know, recent events and things. And people like to, you know, say that somehow the gun, some inanimate object, some object that I could set in the corner of my house and it will rot before it will ever hurt anybody. A person would have to actually grab that to make it into something, just like any other inanimate object. It's people. It's imperfect people doing imperfect things and not allowing, you know, whether it be a mental health issue, whether it be a a lack of uh, ability on that person's part to control their emotions, whether it be them wanting to, they make a decision based on something in them or a lack of something in them. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's a lack of of humility or, or, or whatever that actually, you know, causes these problems. It's a great prelude into this first and great commandment. Just think for a second. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Think of those things. What is our soul? Our soul is made up of our mind, our heart, and our will. And those things working in conjunction correctly will lead to right judgment, which is referred to in that first and great commandment as the soul. So you have discernment, which is connected to the mind, self-control, which is connected to the heart, and courage, which is connected to the will, and then justice or right judgment, which is connected to those three working harmoniously together. So you're literally describing the nature of your experience with your own soul when you're describing those things, which is perfect. And what you're describing is what Jesus talks about And then throughout his ministry, he gives you the tools to work on these things. So for instance, what you described is over the years, my discernment has caught up with my emotions and taken the lead. So now when the emotions come up within me, which is true of us all, we all have emotions and they come from the heart and they flow up into our brain. When our mind discernment can take those and the ones that are of the passions, which are bad, we can let go and they dissipate of their own nature. And the ones that are good, and we take hold of those, and we contemplate those things, that's literally when our life changes. And that's exactly what you described. You described this this concept of the first and great commandment. And I loved hearing it from you. And when I was listening to some of your different podcasts, I can hear you describing that, and it's perfect. That's what we want to hear from people. And that's what I train in 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 my spiritual fitness coaching is we literally train in understanding the whole, the soul, the the mind, the heart, and the will, discernment, self-control, courage, and right judgment. And every day, morning and evening, we have a training that talks about understanding that and learning to bring that into the right nature. Now, in the world today, we have this notion that emotions are the lead. We should do what we feel like doing. That's horrible advice. (laughs) It is. There's a show on HBO right now where some supposed doctor is telling everyone that's how you should live. Yeah, no, it's it's bad advice. (laughs) It's horrible. And it goes against everything Jesus teaches. Now, think about this in the first and great commandment. He taught some really powerful things. He said, In the past, it's been said, thou shalt not murder. But I say unto you, don't even be angry. 
Now, think about what he's saying in terms of the soul, because this is, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. And when you were talking about how your life has changed, what I hear you saying is you've entered into the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. Because you I think so. A, you live in a peace that you didn't live in before. That's absolutely right. Now, the chaos all around you still exists. And people say, oh, that proves it's a fallen world. No, it doesn't. You are proving that the world isn't fallen. Because you have said, I've entered into the kingdom of heaven. I'm not perfect. But that's perfection is entering into the kingdom of heaven with all of your faults. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm -hmm. perfection is. So he says, don't, it was said, don't murder, but I say, don't even be angry. So think about that. Jesus is teaching. This is why, this is what my ministry is about. Teaching people personal development through Christ's moral law. Jesus says to us, okay, now go into the actual soul. Forget about the actions. The action was do not murder. Moses told us don't murder. You could have any thoughts you wanted, just don't murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here Jesus is saying, well, look, I don't even want you to be angry with someone. Now just think, if we're never angry with anyone, how could we ever commit murder? You see, yep, so it isn't, it isn't as though Jesus said, I'm destroying the law. He said, I'm not destroying the law. Or the prophets, I'm fulfilling them. So how is he fulfilling them? He's reaching into the root cause. That's exactly right. That's what I was just going to say is so often people want to, again, I'll go back to the gun debate. You know, people want to attack a, a symptom or a byproduct of, you know, they use the term gun violence. Well, I don't believe in the term gun violence. It, it makes no sense. But gun is just, the gun is just a tool. The gun is just there. It's a byproduct. It's a part of the conversation, but it is not the conversation. You got to go to the root cause. What was the root cause? What part of, I don't care if it's murder or if it's homelessness or if it's hunger or if it's homes without fathers, what is the root cause? What is it that started this ball rolling? And I, I, I love that talking about Jesus saying, don't even get angry because anger is what caused. It's just like my conversation with Daryl Davis back in the day. It's what really causes hate. How can you hate somebody that you don't even know? And again, we broke it all the way down. You break it all the way down and it, it really starts with ignorance. Ignorance causes hate. Hate causes fear or, or ignorance causes fear. Fear causes hate. Hate causes anger. Anger causes violence. Lack of discernment, the mind. Exactly. No, exactly. It's 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 amazing. You know, I mean, when, when people have these conversations, but they want to stop the conversation before they get to the get to the root. They just right. they just start start picking leaves and, and, and instead of getting down to the root of the plant itself. It's a marvelous thing. Think about Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel with a rock. Did God ban rocks? No. No, and ironically, blunt objects still kill more people each year than rifles. I know it. I know but it. it anyways, no, Paul, this is a such you know this this is a this is an incredible conversation. So there's so much important stuff when you talk about being a spiritual fitness coach and and, and getting right down talking about the created order. I mean, what created order and and how important that is versus versus this big oh you know perceived disorder. 
that that we live in and and really people make it far more complicated than it needs to be but uh and and i love the fact that you know what you're doing like i said this the spiritual fitness thing and and the the things that you're helping people do or the things that i've done with my own life i just took 40 some years to get there you know i love the fact that there's people like you out there doing what you do paul and helping people get there a lot faster because there's a lot less broken bones, a lot less stitches, a lot less broken stuff, and uh, just a lot less pain in that journey going about it that route. That's a beautiful thing. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're both working the same street from different angles, and I think both are really, really important because yeah. some people won't hear me, but they yeah. might hear you, right? And yeah. so that's a good thing. We, we have to work the street from different angles. When I think about at the core of everything, I look out in the world and I think, is it chaos? And I go back to, well, this is the created order. And I go back to thinking, I wrote a book called The Pearl that covers this information. And just the nature of the world that we live in is so wonderfully beautiful. And Christians have, and this is, I'm gonna say again, the church doesn't teach anymore the wonderful nature of this world that they live in, that God created for us. They teach that it's fallen and that there's evil everywhere and that the world's going to go to hell and everything's going to fall apart. And in essence, we've abandoned this wonderful place that God created for us. And I'm totally opposed to that. Mm -hmm. And when we think about how do we fix that, there's many ways. But for me, my way is I want to work with people to work on helping them enter into the kingdom of God in their own heart, where Jesus said it is. Because if everyone does that, those things on the outside will change just by nature. And so, you know, you go back to George Washington, and he said, look, we, we, this world that we've created here for America, it's not going to work only but for a people who is a religious people, who puts that first, because it's built on that. The entirety of our Constitution and all the things that are America are based on individuals being personally responsible. Individual responsibility. I talk about it all the time. And if we're not that, so how do we get individual responsibility? Is it more government programs? That's the opposite route. Correct. But it's more, hey, let's look inside and become those Americans again who recognize our own responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And let's build a world that reflects that. And people are afraid of that, but we don't have to. That gets to that question, you know, in my reading this morning, it was uh, in Luke chapter 12, and he talked about things related to not being anxious. And, you know, everything we do in this world is a risk because this is a temporary place for us. This mm-hmm. world isn't temporary. It's here forever and ever and ever. And generation after generation after generation will continue to come. Those looking for a science fiction fantasy end to all of this are very confused. Mm-hmm. They need mm-hmm. to stop doing that because it takes us away from doing the work we're supposed to do. That's right. So the church needs to stop all that. And we need to focus on how are we going to build our world not only for us, but for the generation after us so that it's better. Because people have done that over the years. And we've seen great cultures that have done great things. And it's a great world. Yeah. We can have a great world. But we're not going to have a great world with 
a centrally planned economy from some small group of people who want to control everything. That will never happen. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. No, that's a, that's a, that's a huge, huge mistake that's being made by a lot of people. I don't, I don't think they understand the the true gravity of what that means and what it does to us as a people. And, and uh, you know, if, if, if you're right, if we do try to fall into that centrally planned nonsensical <laughs> way of doing things, then, then we are no longer God's shining city of on a hill and, and there's no place left to go. And, and, and it, it does turn into a big mess. And, and I don't think people really understand that. And then obviously the, you know, the next thing that comes after that, which, which makes it even worse is, is now all of a sudden you got to worship the government versus worship God. And then people like you and me uh, uh, become outcasts and it just gets way, way too messy. I, I like our route better, Paul. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, I agree. And you know, it's a, uh, people need to, when I think about, what I do in spiritual fitness, one of the things I think about is people do have questions about politics. Now, I'm not running for office, and I don't think I ever will, so I'm not a politician. But I also think about politics, and I have opinions. And I wonder what scripture teaches us. And I wrote a book called Jesus, Politics, and Mutiny. Okay. And in there, I talk about, in the book of Romans, chapter 2, I believe it is, the Apostle Paul simply tells us what kind of government is approved by God. And he makes reference to those Gentiles who followed the natural law, even though they didn't have the law. And he's speaking of the Greco-Roman cities before it became Caesar in Rome mm -hmm. and the Senate they had and the beautiful Republic that they had built. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so in the book of Romans, we're actually told that kind of Republic is a beautiful God-bearing system. Yeah. Back in the book of Maccabees, you have the same commentary where he's telling us he was living in that time. And he tells us the marvel of the Roman Senate and this republic that they built. And then you go back to the formation of our country, and they did not build a democracy. People no, don't no. seem to realize we're not a democracy. They built a republic. They built it directly after what scripture says is an approved governmental form. Oh, that's right. I, yep. When we when we talk about divine intervention in, in the in how our country was built and how our country has been maintained and everything else, I'm I'm a true believer in that. I I, I do not believe without divine intervention we would have ever had the United States of America. And uh that's why I do take it so personal when so many people try to run it down. But uh Country is not perfect, but it's uh, certainly the best one that there's ever been. It is. Um, and, you know, it comes back to this thing of discernment. And I want to say, I want to say in all of your studies, I know you've probably read through many things related to logical fallacy. And one of them that we see that's directly related to what we're talking about is this logical fallacy of an, of an appeal to emotion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's running rampant. So people today... I know that there was a recent Supreme Court ruling that just came out, maybe even yesterday, about a subject that's near and dear to many people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And having a discerned debate about that is one thing. But having politicians use the logical fallacy of appeal to emotion to claim that they are on the higher ground, to end that, all we have to do 
is practice the first and great commandment and let discernment be the charioteer of the virtues Mm -hmm. and just call that out. Hey, no, that's an appeal to emotion. Forgetting that, what is your actual case that you're making? Right. Right. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's so important that, you know, I talk about it all the time on the podcast and, and you know this, but the media politicians, uh, those that, that pull the strings on, on, on the social media platforms and things like that. It's all about emotions. They're, they're all trying to garner an emotion and usually a negative one because negative emotions make uh, things happen. We live in this age of outrage. I've talked about that. That may have even been one of my podcasts, but this age of outrage. And, uh, and that's why you see all these people demonstrating in the streets and wanting to, you know, burn people at the stake, basically, <laughs> you know, getting up in, in the, uh, in the front yards of our Supreme court justices and stuff like that. These things are all emotional reactions to things that have answers, but those answers, the right answer will never come out of emotion. I, I don't think enough people think logically when it comes to these things, when they get involved in these, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, just this this emotional uh, soup of stupidity uh, that, that most of these demonstrations end up becoming. What you're saying here, I want you to take it back to what we're talking about. How do you change the world? You're changing the world with your podcast in the sense of, we have to change the world in the hearts of hearts and minds of men and women across the world. Mm-hmm. That's the only answer. Bettering the world one attitude at a time. That's right. There's no other way. And then you think about how did Jesus change the world? Because he said to us, he said to his apostles, greater thing and to us, greater things than these will you do. Now, people take that and turn it into all sorts of things it isn't. For instance, they say, oh, if you can't heal someone, you're not a Christian because you're going to do greater things than God. And I just say, come on now. What he meant by that and what the church historically has always taught about that is this. Jesus created a path. He published the kingdom of God. And he demonstrated that he has overcome death. Mm-hmm. That's a starting point. But then he said, we'll do greater things. Well, what are those greater things? Twelve men took those words and that kingdom out into the world, and the entirety of the world has changed. That's right. That's, That's the right. greater things. And it wasn't miracles. and all. It's, it's this greater thing that they went out to do. We're called for that same thing. And just think about how incredible that is. I don't think people understand the gravity of that either. 12 people back before there were phones and internet and, and, and telegraphs and Pony Express and every 12 men brought that message to the world. If you think about it, how incredible is that? I mean, thousands of years ago, again, before the phone, before text messaging and social media and, and everything else. 12 men took the message of Jesus Christ and changed the world forever. Yep. And so when you think about what you're doing, and sometimes you must have the same thought I do, it's not doing anything. But it is. It is, though. It really is, because it's the same thing that they did. Because when you change the hearts and minds of people, you know, there's this word that your church used to always use, which you don't hear in the church anymore today. 
It's a word called dispassion. Now, when people first hear that word, they say, oh, well, I can't be passionate. No, 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 no. Dispassion means you're not ruled by your emotions. Right. Doesn't mean you don't have them. It means you're not ruled by them. When you practice the first and great commandment, the end result of that is dispassion. And when you understand the teaching of Jesus, what you realize is that you can never truly love unless you achieve dispassion. Nice. That's a really powerful thought. It is a very powerful thought. It makes a lot of sense, too. I, I, I'd i never heard that, and I'm glad I I love yeah. learning new things every day. Every day you learn something new. Is, I've learned a lot in this conversation, Paul, but that's a, that, is a, that is a great one. And follow that up with, and then what did he say is the second commandment? And it's second because it can't be done unless you first achieve the first in dispassion. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that is not only a statement about how you're to treat your neighbor. It's also a statement about your own self. It's prophetic. Mm -hmm. You will treat your neighbor as yourself. So think about your story, all the fighting and things like that. Well, that was how you were treating your own soul. That was what's happening in your own soul. So you have to act that out. But when you achieve this passion where your soul is at peace in God's created order, you're not running around saying, why are bad things happening? Because you have discerned the answers to those questions. And so you're literally living at peace amidst all this wonderful chaos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You now can treat your neighbor as God calls you to. It just becomes a natural outcome of salvation by faith and faith alone. It's a much more peaceful, much more, uh, much more beautiful life for people, right, Paul? It is. Well, I it think is. that's a great place to wrap this conversation up. It gives people a lot to think about. The, the being able to walk that right path, putting in the work, you know, finding salvation, People, again, I'll go back to the beginning of our conversation. Far too many people in this world today, Paul, seem to be out there like a ship without a rudder. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what their purpose in life is. They don't know what real meaning is. So they begin to latch on to just about anything. We can't force upon them anything but showing them faith in, in Jesus Christ and, and living a more meaningful life in that way, you know, your, your spiritual coaching and, and your, you know, created order podcast, helping people find that better way, helping people find meaning, helping people find that they have the tools within themselves to understand this world and, and how this world is not perfect, but it is not a chaotic nightmare that some would have you believe. So, this is a this is a great uh, great wrap up for this conversation, Paul. Tell me, is there anything? How do people get a hold of you? How would you like to leave the DTH listeners in, in this conversation? Well, first off, I want to say continue to listen to the DTH podcast because you're doing great work, and whether you're going to attack it from a spiritual sense as I do, or from a little bit different sense as you do, even though you're a spiritual person. We need both of those things. You can't go to work and be talking about what I'm talking about. You need to know how to talk about it outside of being overly churchy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the first comment is don't stop listening to derate the hate. 
Secondly, I'd like to thank you for having me on. I love the work you're doing and I appreciate that. If people want to learn something more about my approach to spiritual fitness, they can go to spiritualfitnessprogram.com. And on there, you'll find a making it real service, which is my basically my main training program. And you might want to look into that. It's spiritualfitnessprogram.com slash members slash membership slash making it real. Spiritualfitnessprogram.com slash membership slash making it real. And you can also join me on my created order podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, that should pop up. So that's a couple ways that will that people can get a hold of me and, and listen to some of my materials. Such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, thank you. Appreciate it very much. Friends, so much good information came out of this conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I know not everybody that listens to this is a Christian, but there is so much more in this conversation than just the Christian aspect. So much value in the concepts of discernment, free will, and and how we act on our emotions Friends, I, I just hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. Paul Rakowicz, phenomenal guy. Check out his website, spiritualfitnessprogram.com. Look at all the tools there. Check out some of his books. All that information will be in our show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can always just Google Wilk and Paul Rakowicz. I'm sure you'll find something there as well. Friends, I just want to say again how very, very grateful that I am that you took the time to join me for another Derate the Hate podcast episode. Please, share us with your friends. Share us with your network. If you haven't done so already, subscribe and talk your friends into doing the same. Feedback and ratings, wherever you get your audio, always greatly appreciated. And with that, I will just say get out there. Be kind to one another. Be grateful for everything that you've got. And remember, it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. Friends, if there was anything in this episode that provided exceptional value to you, I would love to hear about it. Email me, wilk at wilksworld.com, or hit me up on most social media platforms. With that, I am going to back on out of here, and we will catch you next week. Take care.